Hey traders and investors, Andrew Keen here, president and CEO of the 1450 Club. As always, with my co-host, Mr. John Voreheis. He just uh, tried to invite himself to my one bedroom in Scottsdale. How's it doing in North Carolina? Oh, it's it's it, it's great. I I hear they're going to be opening back up shortly. It sounds like down here, maybe that's the rumor. So, so we'll see. Yeah, we have a lot to go over today. Big sell off the market over the last two days. I've been talking about it for a while. Sell every single rally to your head explodes. We got the Fed put in the market, but it didn't matter in the last couple days. So we've seen the S and P 500 futures sell off about 150 points to 2740. I thought we would have resistance at that 2,900 in the S&P 500 futures. John, what do you make of the last two days in this sell-off? Yeah, I think it's been driven, I think, really by the uh, downward pressure you saw in oil. I think we, uh, you know, the beginning of that May contract expiration um, <clears throat> with, with the negative print on oil, I think that kind of spilled over into the broader market. Oil kind of a headline. What's driving it right now? Yeah, there's um. Uh, back what do you think of that? Yeah, back at the trading floor when I was at the uh, Chicago Board of Options Exchange, there was always a a corn spread, and people look at you know when you're trading, you look at historical volatility um, to look at implied volatility, and there's this corn spread, and the way that it works in the future market is you can get delivered and have to take delivery of this thing, and this is what happened in oil. So let me kind of just kind of go over what happened. In the corn market, I don't remember it's corn or soybeans, it's probably about 12 years ago. There was a spread where the back month always trades higher than the front month. So the back month was trading, um, you know, it was like 20 cent debit. You get to buy the back, you get to sell the front. So they started at like 50, I think it started at $1, then it went to 50 cents, and then it went to 20 cents, and then it inverted down to negative 20 cents. So you're actually getting, um, you're getting paid to take the front month and sell the back month, which historically has never happened in history. Well then, as these traders continue to blow out, and there's about six traders that blew out, they then realized, wait, this is a future contract, not a uh, derivatives contract in, in stock. I actually have to take delivery on this. So a lot of traders blew out, and this reminds me very similar of oil. We've been talking about it on the show for the last couple of weeks. There is not enough places in the United States to put oil. So I think it got to like negative $37 per barrel, and I think $37 per contract, I think there's 1,000 barrels in it. And this just shows you guys that, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, that oil, there's too much supply, not a demand. And we were talking about it when it was trading $30 about getting short oil. Um, I played it through the oil names, um, which obviously didn't do as well as the oil, um, as oil itself. But I continue to think there's going to be some repercussions on some of these oil names. So... You know, it's interesting that I've kind of seen this game before uh, with the front month going to negative, um, which means if you wanted to take oil, you would actually have to take delivery of it. So how do you think the oil a negative um, on the front month affected the market? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I think it created further downward pressure, right? I mean, it, my, my question about that for you is, um, as a former market maker, is this something that's going to happen you know, every expiry until you see some, some buyers of oil come into the market. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think oil pushed down the broader market, but I'm, I'm, more, I'm more interested, is, is this going to be something that we see, you know, with every contract expiration until we see some, some greater price stability with oil, until we see some, some buyers come into the market? 
Well, I mean, it's like if you look at it, like we're trading, you know, if I bring up uh, light crude, which I think our swim would be uh, backslash CL, and it, yeah. that is at 1330 in June. So, you know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like the VIX and the volatility index and the CBOE, it predicts the spot future and it also predicts the future price, right? So, it is interesting to see that the future price is still 1330. So, they're not implying that if you hold the June contract, you're gonna to have to take delivery in um, June. And this is why, you know, it's really funny when, and I compare this a lot to corn, okay? Um, there's something known as alpha in the trading market, and that just shows an implied volatility curve. And as a generalization, implied volatility on puts is usually higher than calls. Because when the market goes down, implied volatility goes up, and the market goes up, calls go down. In the corn market, it is the complete opposite. So there's an implied volatility to the upside versus the downside. And they always say, hey, come trade in the corn pit, come trade in the corn pit, you're gonna blow out. Because you're used to trading it like a stock instead of an, instead of like trading like a future. And this is why, you know, our expertise and our, you know, what we've done, you know, John did a lot of consulting for the CBOE and you know, I trade derivative options. I know for a fact, no stock can go under zero, right? It can only go to zero, they can go bankrupt. I sold some puts in CDEC, which is a, a Russian vodka company, speaking of which, that did go bankrupt. Um, but the, for, the, for the most part, you know, trading futures is, if, if you don't understand the product, don't trade it, okay? That's what I'm trying to get at today. And that's why, you know, we focus on options and publicly traded companies. We're not trading penny stocks here, guys. We're not trading futures here. Um, you know, I know if I buy a call and, um, you know, if it's in the money on expiration, I'll get assigned, which means I get stock delivered to me. I can sell that stock out. But in the future market, it's a lot more tricky. So there's a lot of different products to trade, futures, Forex, stocks, and options. Just be very, very careful. And this is why we do this podcast for you every day to guys, to teach you guys as a trader and as an investor, you know, what these markets mean, what they're relaying, and what you should be trading. So do you have any sense or like input on um, any crazy stories or anything you've noticed in your, you know, almost two decades in the market um, about something that is as crazy as I've seen before in the oil market? <clears throat> have I seen anything as crazy as, as, as the 270% decline on oil? On Monday? No, no, I, I don't. I think, I think that would be about it um, in terms of the craziest thing I've seen in the oil market. I, yeah. I don't know of anything that compares to that. Yeah, so I mean, if you just look at the oil market, like, I mean, when I was trading in 2008, um, like volatility would spike in a day. They were just always rumblings around that Goldman Sachs was short volatility and they're blowing out. And this is 100% some massive firm or fund just getting liquidated and they got torched. Um, what company do we see about? Well, they sent 30% of that volume, the open interest in the futures yesterday was USO, right? Yeah, um, and this is another way we always caution you to trade exchange traded funds. Um, the only exchange traded fund I think is fine to trade is SPY. I don't even think it's okay to trade uh, GLD. Because when you look at an exchange traded fund or an ETF, you have to look at the prospectus. 
And those perspectives, and I'm not being honest, I've never looked at a perspective. I would probably say perspective is probably 60 to 120 pages if I had to look. And GLD itself is not backed by gold. Supposedly it is, but they don't know where the gold is. So just be very, very careful when you trade these ETFs um, and what is actually in these ETFs. There's always a management fee for the ETFs. Um, I think SPY is going to be the, the gold standard, of the gold standard, no pun intended, of trading ETFs. But, you know, people trying to trade these double leverage, triple leverage ETFs, just don't do it. I mean, one day you're going to wake up and you're just going to get your head ripped off because you actually don't know what you're doing. And, you know, this is kind of similar story when um, I was trading and I, the, the Hong Kong, the Nikkei was just getting crushed. And I was like, oh, I should buy a Nikkei future. And I'm at home. And this is probably when you worked for me, uh, because I had to call James about this. And I bought a Nikkei future, and I probably I had about this. I had about sixty thousand dollars in my account, and I buy a Nikkei future, and the Nikkei goes down like I don't know two percent. I wake up the next morning at sixty thousand dollars in my account, and it said I had forty-eight thousand, forty thousand, forty-eight thousand dollar loss, and I'm freaking out. Okay, I was just trying to buy a future because buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. and I was down to twelve thousand in my account. Well, I realized what happened is they converted that Nikkei into the Hong Kong, um, maybe the yen or something, and it was really like one five thousandths of it. So I traded a product that I didn't understand, that I didn't know. I thought I lost $48,000, and it was really like $400 or something like that. So, you know, just know- 48,000 yen yeah. that you lost. I was, yeah, 48,000 yen, which is converted out, I was like, you know, couple hundred bucks but I freaked out literally I thought right. I blew out my trading account blew out my trading account buying a Nikkei future and I don't know anything about I don't even know what's in the Nikkei so just kind of be fearful of what you do trade we are going to start opening this know up. the products you're trading yeah we're going to start opening it up to questions um, in the future you know I've been in the industry for uh, we've both been in the industry for close to two decades so we have 40 years experience underneath us John consulted at the SIBO I was a market maker at the SIBO and I've written multiple books on trading. Uh, my main focus is derivative options. I like to consider myself a top five expert. McMillan and Natenberg are better than me, I will, I will say that, but uh, more knowledgeable. Um, but just be very, very careful of the product that you're trading. So to get back to the sell-off, sell-off, huge, huge sell-off in the last couple of days. With the government put in the market, what do we think? Do we think it's gonna continue or do you think we're gonna get some buyers? I think it's going to be sideways action until summer when we start to reopen and that's when the market will get a better insight into what the actual recovery is going to be like and I think at that point is when we sell off further. I could see us making like the, the actual lows being in, you know, or us retesting the lows in July or August. You know, once we start to see, like, really what the reopen plan looks like, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we should see Europe reopen by then. So we'll have, you know, kind of an idea of what that looks like and, you know, what the new economic norm is, at least in the near near and medium term. I think that's when you might see us, um, you know, sell off some more. Until then, I could see us being somewhat rage-bound, um, you know, where we are right now, you know, 27, 2900 in the spoos, uh, something like that. Have to look at the chart and tell you what the technical levels are. What do you think? I mean, to be honest, um, 
I think uh, I think what's gonna happen is the more people, the more we get people on TV and saying that the lows is in, the more I think we need to retest them. And I've never seen somebody, so many people on the same page the lows are in. saying the lows are in. I mean, I've never seen it. So when, yeah. when there's 30% unemployment, let's, let's, let, let's just not, there, there is 30% unemployment. People are saying the lows are in the market and we're off 20% from the highs. Yeah, we're up 20, 20.7% from the highs, um, from the lows, sorry, it's up 20% from the lows. And, you know, they every, you know, the, the, the popular thing on TV is like game changer. Well, the not popular thing is what kind of recovery are we going to have? Are we going to have an L shape, a U shape, or a V shape? Basically, a V shape would be, you know, bear market where boom, we just get the, all the jobs back and we go higher. A U shape is a little bit slower. And then an L shape is obviously a recession or a depression. And the more I hear people on TV saying the lows are in, the lows are in, the lows are in, the more I want to believe that the lows are not in. Um, and, you know, we saw a nice sell off in the last couple of days. The VIX, we talk about a lot. 45 doesn't move. It's 35 to 50. We haven't seen that explosion to the upside yet. We haven't seen a sell off to the downside yet. So I continue to play to the bearish camp. And, you know, if everybody's in one direction, there's a really good book. Um, I'm going to have to look this up for you guys. Um, it's like. Uh, well, you, well, you. It's Alex. Well, you do that. Go ahead. Sorry. It's like the zebra and the, the zebra and the lions. Lions. I don't know. It's something about like being in a zebra and a lion's den and winning. It's basically saying when so many people are on one side, it's got to burn them out and it goes the other direction. So, you know, twenty percent to the downside is it is it feasible? Yes. We are opening Georgia on Friday. I think Arizona is going to be opening the thirtieth. And. You know, maybe coronavirus in the long run will not be a big deal. And maybe that's that's fine if it's not a big deal. But the fact of the matter is that economic data uh, and economic uh, casualties, it is causing on a daily basis is, is crazy. We talk about this all the time. 22 million people don't have um, jobs. Uh, when's the jobs report this week? Do you know that one? Reported. 22 million reported. There's 150, the, the working population in the United States is 155 million. 22 million are reporting to be unemployed. When is I it, saw posts on Facebook. What's the next job number Monday. this week? When do we have the next job number this week? Do you know? It comes out on Friday. Friday. Always comes out on Friday. Okay, so we have another jobs number on Friday, and uh, I just continue to think this is going to get worse um, before it gets better. And, you know, the stock market is, um, I think, a lagging indicator. Um, oh, speaking of which, Rob, Rob Garkowski is going to the Buccaneers. Speaking of which, how crazy. Yeah, that? yeah, I, that, that's crazy. That, that's crazy. He always said he'd never come out of retirement. Yeah, I mean, I think I, for this market to, to really, for me to believe any rally, I think I need to see oil above 30 or even 35. Because without de demand for, I mean, I, I mean, without demand for oil, is there any recovery? I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think oil is kind of the leader here in a lot of ways by virtue of that fact, that you, you, you need a strong demand for commodities for there to be a recovery. I mean, oil's used in everything, manufacturing, transport, you name it, right? I think the price of oil is, uh, is a uh, bad indication today due to the fact of people might not be buying oil because they don't want delivery, right? And I haven't looked at the yield, the curve between oil now and the oil 
in the future. But let's say American, right? American, a lot of these big uh, airlines will hedge their f fuel costs um, by buying oil, right? Uh, and if they buy oil now and they buy the June contract, they're gonna have to take delivery. Well, guess what? In June, probably no one's gonna still be on planes and there's no storage. So where does the storage go? So I think it, it is an actual, it's an interesting fact that the oil supply demand curve, I don't think is on actual oil globally demand. I think it could be on the fact that if you buy it and you get it delivered, you're gonna have to put it somewhere or you're gonna have to use it. No cars on the road, no one's using it. No planes on the road, no one's using it. So that's where you're in this predicament. Like there was back in the day when oil hit 20 the first time, uh, a while ago, Goldman Sachs was buying oil barrels. They're putting on ships because they thought they could buy it, store it, and eventually sell it to make money. And I think they did make money on it. But it's it's interesting here. You know, as as airlines do not use oil and people don't use oil, that's going to drive the price higher. I mean, lower. Just even though if the demand is kind of there, so it's interesting. You got to be looking at the future. But yeah. enough about oil. But the, but the point is, the reason there's the reason there's um, no storage for oil is because there's no demand. Right. Like the, the two are related, right? Right. The the. You want to um, cover gold? Yeah. The, that is the fact that. Um, what the heck is going on? Um, yeah, it's the fact that um, that no one's basically using it. So. Um, Enough about oil, Rob Gronkowski. Let's talk about the market here. Um, after the bell, we had strong numbers from Snapchat. Guess more people are using Snapchat with the quarantine. Very strong numbers but from Chipotle. Chipotle up about $50. Uh, you know, my friends were just crushing Chipotle since uh, it. Uh, Netflix, you know, gotten more subscribers, but they're so concerned about, um, you know, costs uh, for the content. Uh, Tiger King was a huge hit. I know I watched that. I mean, Netflix basically unchanged. It's up three bucks. And uh, they're applying in Netflix a $51 move and it's up three bucks. So, you know, earnings, some are good, some are bad. Uh, stick with the stay at home plays. Keep an eye on, you know, if I had to come up with a list, you'd be looking at your Gilead's, uh, Bristol Myers, uh, Zoom, Netflix, Amazon. I think those are all buys on the dip. If you want to get long anything, gold has been very strong. Uh, you know, a lot going on in the last couple of days. Uh, let's go to our final close. We're 18 and a half minutes in. It's crazy how fast that went. John, I'll let you start. Just give me your 60 cents synopsis. <clears throat> yeah, uh, got, got a lot of earnings reporting tomorrow from, uh, it looks like, Energy and some, some, some travel names. Going into some of these earnings reports, I really look to be a seller of, of volatility. Um, because I, I think, you know, like you said with Netflix, I think that's going to be a pretty common theme across the board where you see, like, really, really big moves priced in because of the uncertainty. But I think at some point the market doesn't really care because all these earnings are going to be so horrible. So I, th I think, you know, like, you know, doing some, some butterflies, throwing some straddles, strangles, some things like that in some of these earnings, particularly in the beat-up name, could be a good strategy, like the airlines, the energy companies that... Uh, just because it's going to be so bad, I don't think you're going to see huge moves to the downside or to the upside. It's going to be a rather muted reaction um, by the market. I like gold right now. Um, you know, B of A for, upped its target from 2000 to 3000 Bank of America did today. Uh, not that I necessarily would, would agree with what they have to say, uh, but 
you know, central banks can't print gold. So um, that's about all. Like I said, I, I, I want to see oil get get around thirty dollars before I really believe that uh, the bottom's in the bottom's in the market. But right now, I'd look to sell volatility going into earnings. And uh, I would say volatility is here to stay. Maybe not in individual names. Obviously, you know, Netflix is a prime example. Is I like my least favorite trade is buying straddles because you need that move. I mean, a fifty-one dollar straddle in Netflix. If you bought a one lot and it moved three dollars and you paid fifty-one, you just lost forty-eight hundred dollars on a one lot. So be very, very careful buying straddles and strangles. I agree. I'm more of a seller of straddles and strangles. I wouldn't ever sell those naked. I prefer iron butterflies or iron condors. We'll teach you how to do that as well. I think every rally gets sold. I think the market continues to move lower. I think till we get mass testing to the vaccines, I'm fearful of a second wave happening. Um, so far, haven't seen it. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I just think there's too much goodness factored in. And the more people say the lows is in, I think the more we have to retest them. That's our show today. Club 1450 Club uh, podcast. Thank you guys so much. Mr. John, I will see you at manana. Take care.